Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Special shout out to Russell Martz for the awesome intro music. You can find Russell on SoundCloud at Sprouts Music, S-P-R-O-U-T-Z. And now, we hope you'll enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how are you doing this week? Doing all right, Nate. How are you? I am honestly tired today. I I have a confession as we get going. <laughs> last week I said I was I had some pacifistic tendencies, and last night I was waiting for my oldest to come home, and I was playing Fortnite, and oh, I didn't realize shame. I was shooting at people. Okay, shame so on you. if you don't know Fortnite, it's a game the kiddies play. And uh, basically, it's like the Hunger Games. You get dropped into a, an island, and you have to go find guns and ammo and all kinds of things. And the whole goal is to be the last one surviving. So I actually, I'm terrible at this game. So like in the whole night of playing, I probably got like two kills. Like, like Tyler's had like, you know, 10 kill games where he kills 10 people. I know this sounds horrible talking about sounds it. Sounds horrible. Sounds terrible. But I sniped someone from... This person was dancing because they had killed someone else, and I sniped them from a long ways away, and that was my claim to fame last night. My boys were actually impressed with, but I uh, I realized that maybe I don't have as many um, pacifistic tendencies as I think because yeah. I played this Fortnite. from the guy who is always on my case when I go bird hunting. I know, yeah. right? Because yeah. you yeah. kill things. You're you're playing with your you're playing kill games with your boys. <laughs> And, hey, and there's no there's behavior. no blood in Fortnite. At least it's you know all that <laughs> happens is you drop all your weapons and you see that like the person disappears. But but yeah, it was a I I feel like I need to confess. Um, I, I was, don't know. I was shooting penance, people online. Yeah, your penance night. is uh, to uh, go to bed at a decent hour. That's and, right. I need take to a, take a parishioner you don't like out to lunch. Well, I don't have any of those, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good response. But your next parishioner who listens to this podcast and then you go to lunch with them is going to think they're Exactly, they're right? Yeah. They're like, wait a second. Why is Nate asking me to lunch this week? <laughs> so what have you been up to? Oh, I noticed you're in the closet today. I am. You're I literally am. in a closet. I am. I'm, I'm in the closet in my bedroom because... Uh, we we have a house full of people. That's kind of our 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 standard. Uh, we had uh, we have small group that meets here, and um, and while we were having small group this week, we had at least you know six peripheral people just come to the house. Uh, yeah, and and so uh, and some of them went upstairs to you know to visit with our 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 son. And some of them uh, 
just joined the small group, just came in and sat down on the couch, like, what are y'all talking about? You know? Um, and, and some of them went that straight to the kitchen. That feels very organic. Yeah. Some of them went straight to the kitchen and got food. Cause that's, that's right. You yeah. Know, that's how it works. Um, but you know, we've, we've had this house for 18 months and I don't think we've had four weeks in a row where we, uh, with a gap of time that we haven't had someone living with us. Yeah, or, I, or having an extended stay with us. It's just my wife insisted that we buy this house because it had the the floor plan she thought would be beneficial for always having room for more. Um, yeah, and so uh, it's not it's not a large house by any stretch of the imagination. It's just uh, it's it's two stories and it has uh, an office that serves as an extra bedroom and I. I haven't been in that office, but uh, because you know, <laughs> I've been one of the people on that extended stay. Yeah, for a few yeah, days. you have. As a matter of fact, and we 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 always we love it. We love having people over. Um, but that means that today I have a full house because we have out of town yeah. guests, and we have a young man living with us, and and so this was the only quiet place I could find because my son is mowing the yard, and so uh, every time I tried to set up uh, the microphone. All you could hear was the lawnmower. Eh. Well, so, if you hear in the something that sounds like people shooting at me, it's actually uh, really raining hard and lots of lightning and thunder um, here in Midwest City. And I didn't know you could pick it up until we were talking before we went on air and you were like, oh, it sounds like somebody's just destroying things in your room there. So, yeah. so please excuse that today on the podcast. So... I thought this week maybe I had an experience just yesterday that was interesting. I was riding with someone who does not profess to be a churched person. You know, he's a salesman. Uh, we were going to lunch. We were, we were running around in Norman a little bit, which is about 30 minutes from where I live. And within the time, the three, uh, within the 30 minutes that we were driving, he received three calls. Um, and every time he would say, Hey, uh, I've got someone here with me. And then he would go on to say he's a pastor. So basically, <laughs> watch your language. Watch your language. <laughs> that was that was kind of the running joke of the day. And uh, I, I just thought it was interesting because we're pastors and this podcast is about, you know, talking about uh, just things that we, we run into here and there. But one of the things I've noticed is that that there is kind of this sense in which people treat you differently as a pastor. I'm sure you probably run into that before. Oh, sure. You know, I'm, I do some chaplaincy work, uh, at the local police department and literally one of the first sessions where we got together to talk and do our training. Uh, one of the police officers there, uh, started off with a kind of a, a conversation on justifying, uh, some of the things that we might encounter in terms of uh, harsh language or coarse joking, um, you know, and right. Uh, and I just think it's funny because what happens is, you know, uh, everywhere you go where they know you're a pastor, uh, Scott, Scott Daniels used to say, if you want, like, if you go and you jump, you go to the golf course and you want to join a foursome and you're going to play, uh, if you want to have a conversation, tell them you're a theologian. If you don't want anybody to speak, tell them you're a pastor. Um, yeah, because, because automatically it changes the whole dynamic. Oh, he's a pastor, you know, or, you know, 
we've got a, a clergyman of any sort, I would imagine, that you all of a sudden, you can't have a normal conversation. It's got to be, uh, it's got to be amended. Uh, and it always feels a little forced and, and yeah. uh, kind of well, like, please don't amend your language. You know, I, you can, you can say what you need to say, say it with the proper amount of emotion and, you know, be honest. Cause I'm, you know, I'm not interested in, in fake conversation. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. I've, I've had some of those golf matches at where I, I show up and purposely don't tell the people I get teamed up with that I'm a pastor and then they keep kind of prying and by about whole five, then they realize it. And then you just feel that it, it's like they put it in reverse and they start backpedaling. <laughs> and I think trying to think of all the things they've said or yes. done but in the first four holes. And hello, there's another uh, there's big thunder. clap of thunder. Um, and, and so the funny thing is then the conversation always turns to the spiritual so I, I think one of the things that we see is that people kind of think that that we pastors uh, are, are this dualistic kind of like like we're only focused on the spiritual. Like we don't get up and, and, and wrestle with the same physical kind of realities. You know, we don't stub our toe and get frustrated. And, and uh, you know, I think the language thing is one that's interesting to me. And there's a lot of, you know, there's. When I was a youth pastor, there were a lot of youth pastors that that was kind of the that was the hallmark if you were like a progressive or hip youth pastor is is you just cussed all the time because you know cussing really isn't a big thing. <laughs> but I've yeah. always been one who thinks, you know, um whether it's a big thing to me or not, uh the witness of it to the people I'm around, they may think it's a big thing and I don't want to hinder their uh experience of of the gospel because they think, well, that guy, he's a pastor. Why is he talking like that? Um, but I do think that a lot of times, you know, we used to talk about cussing as being like taking the Lord's name in vain when I really believe uh, that command actually has nothing to do with that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, being married and taking a last name, but with intentions of cheating, you know, <laughs> That, that's more the... I've never the heard that, and that's a really good way to say it. I, I've said it a lot of other ways, but I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, it, but but the problem then becomes that, uh, you know, I have a friend who uh, wears a clerical collar. Uh, and I said, why do you, why you wear a clerical collar? He, he said, because I, I realized that, um, you know, I don't... I have too much anonymity to be a minister in plain clothes, he said, cause then I could just go wherever I wanted and <clears throat> I don't represent the church necessarily. I can, I just represent myself at Walmart if I want to. Um, so I wear the clerical collar so that I am a clergyman all the time. And, um, and I thought, yeah, I don't know that I know how that would work because, uh, while yes, representation within the community might be important and everybody seeing you uh, as a as a clergyman might be important and maybe God asks for some people to give up their anonymity but uh but I find that it uh that that title pastor makes it really hard sometimes for people uh in those beginning stages of the relationship to really trust me. Uh, yeah. Cuz they think I'm going to rattle them out to God. Yeah, I think the clerical collar thing is becoming more and more popular. And and I, hello, 
I do see the value in it. Um, I, I do understand the idea that that maybe then people will turn to you uh, with the deeper questions. I understand that that there's a sense of um, reclaiming our our vocation, but I also I also I agree with you. Um, I I purposefully am a person who I when I preach I don't dress up. I don't want to. I don't want this like distinctness where I'm. I'm so much different looking than everyone else in the congregation. Uh, one of some of the greatest compliments I think I've I've ever gotten in, in one of the ones that I relish are. I had one guy say, "I've never been able to talk to a pastor like I can talk to you." Actually, a couple of people recently have said that to me, and and this guy that I was with said, "You know, he had another pastor that he used to meet with before me." um that it kind of worked together but he said you two have been like the most laid back and like down to earth people and i think uh, it takes kind of it takes a sense that 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 people can trust you before you really get to be able to talk to them because i have so many people and you probably experience this too um you know you can tell sometimes they're telling you what you want to hear And, and really that's not conversation to me that's that's right. just kind of putting on a pretense. Or they're asking you a question or, or offering you a prayer request and asking you to pray for them because they feel like maybe you have a direct line to God and they don't. Right, um, yeah. So then that gets into this whole credentials problem, you know, this professional clergy problem that we struggle with, you know, um, the uh, the idea that somehow those who are called to full-time Christian service in in the church, uh, as pastors, as priests, uh, as you know, as mission missionaries, that somehow we have a our prayers count for more, or our words, uh, you know, count for more, and and so then you know when you stand in the pulpit for years and years, I uh, I remember thinking of the sermon. As when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, even as a young man, even as I began to preach for the first uh, you know, few years of my ministry, I was thinking, okay, well, this is a final word, right? Whatever gets said here is so important that it counts as a final word. When in reality, it's, it's more of a conversation along a journey. Um, and I think probably that's what your, what your person who's, who complimented you was thinking along the lines of, wow, this feels more like a conversation rather than uh, black and white, right and wrong. Here's the answer. Kind yeah. Of and I think people want those easy answers because they want to believe at some points that life is that simple. But, but in another way, I think people realize if they're honest with themselves that that life is not that simple. One of the things I loved in my preaching class early on was the idea that that we hold up the text and we stand under it together. And I think when we approach like preaching, um, that's that's one of the things that I hope that I convey is that I'm not up here as someone who has somehow mastered the subject because like some right. days I feel like, you know, the more I, I, I learn, the more I read, the more I pray. Sometimes I, I realize my own inadequacies, but also I realize I have a lot of questions. I have yeah. a lot of questions. Sure. Um, most people who don't have questions about Scripture have never really delved into Scripture deeply. <laughs> right. 
Right. Because you'll read I, some I, disturbing stuff if you read long. Oh, enough. sure. Sure. I think sometimes, you know, uh, I, I've made decisions about what the world is like and what God is like. And then I then I approach the scripture and all of a sudden I realize that um, that those answers aren't there. Um, that, but the but the questions are there. If you read the psalm, psalms sometimes, uh, you know, you'll read one psalm and it seems like it has a pretty good perspective on, or think you know, reads like it has a perspective on something, and then you read two or three psalms down the road and you realize, oh wait, these are all just explorations of who God is. This is not uh, a final edict on who God is, um, and I, I think that's important for us to to understand it. So, but I think that's also part of the reason that people are, have a hard time having a conversation with a pastor because they do think that we know all the answers. Uh, yeah. Or, and, or and at least we're supposed to. Yeah. They kind of expect us uh, maybe to, to give them an answer. And sometimes I think what we do is just hand them questions. Like I was listening to an interview with Walter Brueggemann the other day, and he was talking about how we have all these ideas about God, like you said. And the one he was specifically talking about was that God is always speaking. And, and, and he says, if you read scripture, there's times where it feels like the voice of God is rare. There are not many visions, right? So, right. Um, so there's definitely this idea that, that some of our notions that we hold, um, that we, we think are certainties, even once we really uh, delve in and encounter scripture, those even it get thrown into questions. But but I think it's in the questions and in that wrestling that we grow, that we are uh, we receive grace because we realize uh, as we hold the text up uh, and we all look at our, our lives that we don't measure up. But there's grace, there's mercy. Uh, and so we become humble. Uh, we become sure. willing to God. seek yeah. yeah, God actually saves us from our certitude. Yeah, yeah, that's and, really and good. And all of a sudden, we actually exercise faith instead of just, uh, you know, knowing. You know that whole phrase, I know that I know that I know? Right. Uh, well, yeah, now I've gotten to the point where I know that I know that I know nothing. <laughs> uh, you know? So I, what I would say to people listening is, um, you know, when you, if you go to a church and you have a pastor, I know if you're at a mega church, you may never meet your pastor very, very much one-on-one, -on -one. but if you're at a church where your pastor is accessible and you, uh, I, I would just say as a pastor, you know, to, to just be real, be yourself, um, uh, allow I mean, we, I want to be real with people. I want people to know. Um, and I routinely say, I don't have this figured out. You know, when I preach on Sunday mornings, you know, I remember going to a party uh, with some people who some of the people were church people, some of the people weren't. And I, I remember hearing as I walk in, you know, hide the beer, the pastor's here, you know, and it's like, <laughs> no, I mean, if you're going to drink, that's, you know, we, we can have discussions about that and maybe we would disagree or agree on some things, but, but it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not walking in thinking, Oh man, look at these people. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just coming to, to be a part, to join in the fellowship. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. 
to, to do the same thing you're wanting to do and that's be with people you love. So. Sure. I uh, went to a booster club meeting for my son's football uh, team and, and they were all standing around in this guy's garage, had a nice car in there that he'd been working on. And, uh, all just kind of standing around in a circle you know they had uh beers and uh they uh they you know they were offering they offered me a beer and 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 i i declined because uh, i don't drink um but uh you know then then you immediately get into this conversation oh you don't drink and it's some kind of systematic rules that you're part of and you know you know how there's all these you can feel the questions but nobody voices the questions you know um and and so, uh, it's really hard to break into that conversation. Is there a is there a greater reason why I'm doing this, or I'm just a clergyman? The church has rules, and these are the rules that I follow, you know. And and but once you can breach those conversations, once you can breach those kind of uh, assumptions that are being made, I feel like it makes for some great conversations. But on the flip side, I've had people like. I, you know, they say, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, pastor, pray for me. I've been really going through. And, you know, they just immediately go to this, this prayer. And, you know, sometimes it feels like it's that, you know, like I said earlier, that, that it's, they believe that your, your conversation with God will carry more weight than their conversation with God will, which is totally not true. Right. Um, Yeah. But, but sometimes it feels like this very sincere thing where they're going, you're, you believe you have faith. My faith is weak, and I need you to bolster my faith right now. Now, that's a genuine, you know, conversation. I, and I feel like that we, when when we talk about that removal of anonymity, I think that's where that can benefit because there's a lot of folks in our community uh, who who want to have access to those things, who want to have faith, but struggle to have faith. And seeing somebody who has strong faith and who has given their life to it. Um, you know, is, is helpful. Even if the reality is that as a pastor, my faith struggles, I, you know, right. I had to say to a friend before, uh, when I was being real, being honest about where I stood and, and, and they didn't seem, you know, to appreciate where I stood. It just seemed like to them that I was, you know, faltering in my faith. And the truth of the matter was that I was faltering in my faith and I was struggling, but I was too transparent apparently. And, and I had to say, does it bother you that I'm a human being? Yeah. You know? Well, and I think when the more you get into this stuff um, and the more you read and the more you study, um, there are those questions that come up and there are seasons where doubt will creep in. And, and I think one of the best things that we can do for our people is let them know that, yes, yes, we wrestle with that as well. Like there are moments where, where faith gets kind of rocked and, uh, and that's one of the things when you're, you know, you're that Sunday, you're still going to get up and speak. Um, and I think for me, it's always about being real and vulnerable um, because there may be people who are a little bothered by that, but there also will be a, a great number of people that will say, oh, okay, so I'm not alone in the fact that I have questions. And I think, like you said, we can point to the Psalms and Lamentations and some of the wisdom literature to say, oh, no, we're not alone in the questions at all. Um, it's a it's a tradition. Uh, there's there's a lot of precedent for crying out to God, even in in questioning and in distress. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, lamentation unvoiced just turns to bitterness. 
Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, if you don't don't speak it out. So that's a, that's kind of a that's kind of a problem I think probably within within clergy is that because people have a high view, um, which I, that's 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 probably a, a big statement to say people have a high view of clergy. Um, In some circles, of, I know. What you mean. Yeah, a lot of people have a dismissive view of, of clergy, um, which I almost prefer to the high view. Just to be honest with you, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, my ego doesn't doesn't do well. Uh, when, when there's a high view, it does better when there's a, when there's a lower dismissive view, because then I actually have to work, uh, <laughs> I have right. to work at, at relationship yeah. rather than just being handed a, uh, uh, you know, a golden ticket because of my position. Uh, then I be, then I begin to think too highly of myself, more highly of myself than I ought to. Um, but that, uh, that handing it, being handed a golden ticket is kind of this, uh, this dangerous thing where then clergy just get the final say on things. And then they're just, then religion just becomes rules and it doesn't really have as much to do with relationship. But if the, if the pontiff, as it were, uh, we're able to confess, uh, yeah, the, you know, I'm, I'm working out my salvation in fear and trembling as Paul does, you know, talks about that, that, uh, that somehow we all get to. Right. right. Yeah. And, and, and when we all get to it, this, it, it's a much better situation. It actually is a community of faith rather than a, a, a you know, a, a pontiff and those who are able to adhere to the rules. Right. Yeah. And I, I think uh, that's a, a great thing to talk about is the, the idea that we are a community of faith, that we're all shaped by scripture. We may be, uh, those of us who are pastors may be called to uh, preach and to teach but we're just one part of the body and we have a different gift maybe than other parts of the body. And, and there's a sense in which um, we wrestle, we struggle. Um, there, there have been some moments in my life where I know my wife is concerned about me because I will, you know, we'll talk about my struggles, my wrestling. Um, but I, I think that's, that's not a bad thing. I think there was a time and a place where there was this unwritten rule that you didn't let them see your weakness as a pastor. Um, sure. And so you kind of hid the, th the areas where maybe, uh, maybe you have questions about this passage or this, um, this idea or this understanding of faith. Um, and, and then, but what I've, I've found in my life is, uh, when we're honest about those things that, that then people resonate and the, and the conversation is really where the growth happens. It's in the midst of those conversations. So sure. And, but that growth is oftentimes very painful, but I think it's, yeah. the, it's the commitment that, that we're supposed to make not to, because the status quo is just to uh, adhere to that old rule that says pastors don't get to have friends. Right. You know, yeah. That's the status quo. The the reality, though, and the way that we that we forge uh, this this new this new understanding is to is to press on, be real, be honest, be an open book. Unfortunately, that presents a uh, a view of Scripture and a view of God that and a view of the church as a whole that have not been promoted, uh, you know, for the last you know hundred years or more. Um, right. Where, where where there was this elevation of professional clergy, um, and and 
you know, we gave them a paycheck to, to keep them in the economy so that they couldn't preach against everything. Um, you know, and, and we controlled them through politics and we, you know, we, we did those kind of things, but, uh, just so we could get the sermon preached that we wanted preached because that was the final word and we could point to it, you know? And, and so there's a lot of politicking and the empires had its hand in all of those kind of things. Um, but, but if we get real, you know, then, then, and we show uh, a reality to the human experience of the presence of God and, and, and acknowledge that the divine is at work within each and every one of us, then, you know, the best, the best services that I was ever a part of as a kid were not the ones where, where some uh, preacher gave the best sermon ever, but they were those moments when, you know, uh, the 85 year old lady in the congregation said, pastor, I need to say something. And he handed her the mic and he never got to preach because she spoke and then she passed the mic to somebody else and they passed the mic to somebody else and they passed the mic to somebody else. And, and then we all prayed and went home or went out to eat together or whatever it was, you know. But yeah. that, those are the greatest services because the word was alive within the congregation, not just with not in the pulpit. Um, right. But in the congregation and in the hearts and lives of people. And that was that was exciting. And, and I think I want to get to a place where that's a reality for the church all the time. Um, and, and so then, you know, I wonder what what role does the professional clergy have except to uh, work themselves out of a job, pass off the, the responsibilities, you know, give give those opportunities to the congregation um, so that right. the body becomes alive. I yeah I will put one caveat there. I've most of those services were the best. There were a few where they <laughs> handed the eighty-five year old lady the microphone, and it went south really really quickly. <laughs> so I I mean I'm just being yeah. real. Like you said, we got to sure. be real about these things. Sure. So um, yeah I I think that uh, one of the things you mentioned is it's it's not always easy to be that authentic. And I would even say it can be painful because anytime you open yourself up and you are vulnerable, people have the opportunity to uh, stab you in the back or to, uh, you know, jump on you or whatever. To hurt you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I think ultimately we look at Jesus and we say, yeah, yeah. Um, that can happen. Yes. But, but it's worth happen. the risk. It's worth the risk. It is. It's redemptive. Something is there's something redemptive about suffering, and suffering can't happen unless we are willing to be vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, there's growth that's going to take place, both in the the the, the parish minister and and the par- the parishioner, as it were. And so, um, but I mean, that's how we get to this place where we say, well, this is how we read scripture. This is how we view God, um, and and we break down that high and low uh, and that uneven playing field where where preachers have more more say so with God and more say so. Uh, right. Well, and, and I think and, uh, one of the things I'm learning is that there is no other kind of love other than suffering love. Like ultimately, love always gives for the good of the other. So, yeah. yeah um, Frederick Frederick Beekner says uh, the first lesson is to learn that there's one kind of love. The second lesson is to learn that, uh, like the Greeks have, there's more than one kind of love because there's more than there's more than one word for different kinds of love. And and the, and the, the final lesson is to learn that there's only one kind of love. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey man, well we're about thirty minutes in. I think in wrapping this up, I would just say, um, 
when you see your pastor, tell him or her, first of all, just tell them you love them, but be real and allow them to just be themselves with you. I think you'll find that that your pastor um, struggles. Uh, your pastor has great moments. Your pastor has days just like you do. Um, and and they're not easily going to be offended by language or yeah. what you have to drink at dinner. Right. Not that that's an invitation to cuss at them. but you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> We'd appreciate it if you didn't. But. <laughs> hey, man, well, I hope you have a great week. And uh, we love you guys. Uh, I hope you enjoy all the people at your house. And uh, be careful. Oh, absolutely. As you guys you, take care. Yeah. Don't drive through any deep puddles. Man, it's yeah, it's coming down. We'll we'll see you next week. All right, take care. All right. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.